0: Live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome.
1: Well, I'm excited to have Gramps here on our episode today. Gramps, thank you so much for joining me.
2: Oh, thanks for inviting me.
1: So, Gramps, for our audience, tell us a little bit of who you are, where you're joining us in from today, and uh, yeah. Oh, so I you. am.
2: I'm calling in from Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, I am the uh, grandfather of six grandkids. And the book I wrote, uh, I Don't Want to Turn Three, is a true story about the interaction of these six kids. So that's that's why I'm here.
1: Well, I went to Scottsdale, Arizona once, loved it there. I cannot wait to go back. It's a beautiful city.
2: Oh, it's absolutely. Right now, it's a great time. It's the morning time. Go out for a walk because it's going to hit 110 today.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the, but it's a dry heat, so it's a little different. Yeah, that's true. A little. Just a little. Um, it was crazy when I went to Scottsdale for a conference, and then my husband and I rented a car, and we drove to the Grand Canyon, and it's crazy how many different um, land plateaus, different, uh, I'm not even going to say the right word for all, like, the the land scenery that you go through in just an hour, a couple hours.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's great living here in Phoenix, because in two and a half hours, you go to Flagstaff, you go skiing. So it just is a great place to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Okay, so how did you end up writing your book? Like, did did your grandson, like he was just struggling with turning three or how did that all develop and happen?
2: I'll tell you, living this past year because of the pandemic uh, caused by COVID-19, in isolation, except for being able to be with uh, my family, gave me a special time to kind of watch and interact with all these grandkids. I gotta tell you what a trip that was because all six of these kids have completely different personalities. And one thing they do have in common is a sense of curiosity and how excited they do get, when they do accomplish something, you know, watch them grow year to year and how they interact with each other really is the basis for this book. You know, what, what goes through a toddler's mind uh, when the parents are so desperate to understand when does a toddler really understand the difference between me and and us? Now the book kind of explores how this whole family finds out this together, you know, as a baby boomer myself, trying to understand how the world has evolved since I was three years old. And it's also part of the story. You know, my parents didn't have cell phones. Uh, they didn't have the internet. Uh, they didn't have cable TV. They didn't have remotes. I was my dad's remote. He said, son, go change the channel. You know, uh, the, yeah, I, I was his remote. So my parents' definition of discipline is quite different than the parents of today. And has this made the today's world a better place to live? Well, I'll kind of just let your listeners kind of figure that one out. So that's what the book's all about
1: so is it written through the lens of the child or the parent or both
2: it's through the lens of jordan who is the child it's all in first person so it's all about how he sees the world and what happens to him because the story is based on you know he he was two years old he's turning three tomorrow and so he's wrestling with all that and so what he does you know he's he interacts with all his his cousins and he steals all their toys, you know, he, he takes all the things from them, he piles them up in the room. Uh, and then, uh, then the, the Olivia, who was eight at the time, discovers them. And, uh, and they all find out that he's taken everything around. Um, and so she comes up with the idea, and this is a true story, because this really did happen based on what she learned from school, that they should give all of their toys and all of his third year gifts to the homeless kids downtown. And that's how that all comes to the end.
1: Oh my gosh! Well, I noticed you have one quote, um, and mommy looks at me like today will be my last day alive. Where where did that come about?
2: Oh well, let me find it in the book here. Let me find the book here. This is uh, you know, this is the book. I don't want to turn three. Yeah, so it happens, and you know, all the all the pictures in the book are based on true stories. Like this is a picture that I had taken of uh, Jackson and Levi in the bathtub. And I went to the uh, artist and she made it into a cartoon. So, all right, that's a great quote. I'll read it to you. This is when Olivia finds, finds the toys. Then all of a sudden, Olivia screams, what are my dancing shoes doing in Jordan's room? The entire family runs to my private bedroom and Jackson yells, my dinosaurs, and Levi shrieks, my sea creatures, and Baker balls, truck, and Grace cries, my dolls, and mommy looks at me like today will be my last day alive.
1: And how many times, uh, I just love that you're getting it through the eyes of a little, little kid. Like, um, so I'm an elementary public school principal and years ago we had a student who stole things and our immediate reaction was like, oh my gosh, they're suspended. And um, I just stopped because in doing these podcasts, I've listened to so many different um, authors, speakers, writers. And and over time, what one phrase stuck out to me that one of my podcast guests said, that was behind every behavior. There's a story, and I, I just, I keep going back to that. And I was like, find out the story behind this kid. And of course, there was a whole story to it. Um, and so when, when I came across your phrase, um, and mommy looks at me like today will be my last day alive, it just, it just reminded me like there's, there's so much behind the actions of what kids do, um, and, and what was, what was his story?
2: Well, his story is that uh, and that you know it's all about me, you know I'm two and uh, it's all about me and then that's why he really didn't want to turn three because he realized it's not about me anymore. I got to start sharing with my cousins. you know what's interesting is I've now uh, you know in the last two years, I've watched three of them turn three. Uh, and, and they all have the same attitude. this, this is this is universal. Um, the, 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 one of the cutest was, and talking about discipline, yeah, you know, one of the cutest was I was at Grace's when she turned three a couple months ago in Austin, Texas, uh, and she had gotten some uh, trucks for her birthday and her older brother, Jackson, who was four and a half, they were playing with him on the ground and, and all of a sudden they started fighting over him. And she looks at Jackson and she says, I need my space. And she actually gets up and she walks over to one side of the sofa. And Jackson looks at her and she says, I need my space, too. And he walks to the other side of the sofa. Well, they didn't learn that on the Internet. They oh, no. learned that from their mother, who probably at one point in time got so frustrated with both of them and said, I need my space.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that was actually a really smart strategy. Exactly. That's that's incredible. So how, how old is the three year old now that you wrote the book about?
2: He is uh, just turned four four and
1: a half oh my gosh and what does he say about his book
2: oh he, he he says he says he loves it but what's cutest is how they interact like for instance a couple of weeks ago um olivia who now is nine grabbed the book and took a couple of her cousins and she took it and she ran underneath my desk for some reason she didn't know i was watching and the three of them were sitting there underneath the desk uh and and she was reading the book to them you know and levi says that's me in the bathtub and jackson says yeah that's that's me with my dinosaurs you know so they got in or into it so it's a, it's a great kind of a family thing that they're all interacting now and because because they know it's all true story they they know what they did and they know what their cousins did you know? and so so that's that's what it's all about
1: that is so cool do any of the other kids like ask you if if there's going to be a book written about them
2: uh, interesting you say that because you know, I'm working on my next book, which is I don't want to turn four. Uh, and and Olivia came to me when she turned uh, nine about last month. She says, Gramps, I got a great idea for our next book. She says, let's write a book. I don't want to turn 10. I said, why, why don't you want to turn 10? She says, well, you know, I, I'm going to have to, to, to learn to drive pretty soon. I said seven years away. Why are you worried about having to learn how to drive? She says, and then I got to start thinking about picking out a college. I said, that's nine years away. Why are you doing that? So, you know, in all reality, you know, she didn't want to turn 10, but we may not want to turn 40. That could be another book. I don't want to turn 70. You know, There's all kinds of uh, reasons when you look forward and you look back of of, of what you want to do. So uh, that's what I'm working on right now
1: so how but but you're doing the book of how to turn four i don't want to turn four yes and which which uh grandchild is that now that's
2: going to be that one is going to be based on jackson
1: oh my gosh that is so wild well so here's a funny thing that i um when i was an assistant principal i had to deal with all the behavior kids and the issues with behaviors and one time we had a kid who just like could not just do this thing we call school, like couldn't sit down long enough, couldn't folk sit there and and get done what the teacher wanted to do. So frustrating for the teacher who's trying to get all her 20 kids doing the same thing all day long. And, um, and so often he was in my office and just in trouble again and again and again. So one day I brought him in and for his consequence, he had probably detention or something. And I pulled out sheets of paper and I was like, let's draw pictures of what we should be doing in, in first grade. And and so he would draw a picture and tell me like, I should raise my hand, I should sit still. If I can't sit still, I'll ask the teacher for a break. And I ended up going into Shutterfly, taking pictures of the pages and just creating our own book. So he has a copy and I have a copy. And after that year, he never had as much difficulty in school. But it was it was amazing to take something so difficult for him and make something so good out of it and it just happened to be a book
2: yeah what's interesting is how discipline has changed over the generations I, I grew up in the 50s and the 60s now my parents were part of the greatest generation this is the generation that went through the depression this is the generation that fought World War II and you know made freedom available for everyone this is a very disciplined generation they were fabulous they were fabulous but very disciplined I mean, you know, when I was a little kid and my brother Larry and I got in trouble and my mother would say, wait till your dad gets home. You know, and dad would come home and he'd whip off his belt and he'd chase us around the kitchen table. You know, and, and that was discipline, I mean, he had a, fraternity paddle that, uh, that he kept in his closet. And the one night when the parents are out, my brother and I went in and got the fraternity paddle and we lived in Ohio and it was late fall and there was a lot of leaves on the ground. And so we went outside and we buried it in the leaves and then it snowed the next night. And, and so that spring, we went back to look for the paddle. It was gone. It was like a miracle to us. It was like the miracle. So, you know, that's what, that's how my generation was brought up you know, I think we kind of learned from that and we tried to bring up the next generation by talking to them and so forth. You know, and then I noticed my kids are even better than, than the we did because now they go to the timeout and they, you know, the kids stuck by himself and he's away from his friends. So what you're talking about is, yeah, you know, discipline has evolved and I, I think it's evolved for the better.
1: Very much so. Yeah. Uh, we were paddled when I was a kid <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I was actually a really bad kid myself. I, I lied. I stole. I cheated. All, all for a good reason. I have very good stories for all of them. <laughs> but uh, boy, did my parents fake me so hard one day. I had to take a pill to school. Most embarrassing moment of my life. I'll never forget it. And nobody can believe it. They're like, how are you in elementary school, where You're such a bad kid. I was like, because uh, what we do as a kid doesn't have to define who we become the rest of our life, which is why I have such a positive approach to discipline to this day, because I was that kid. I know how that felt.
2: You know, you think about it. These memories that are created, and and you know, one of my missions is to get grandparents more involved in the raising of their kids, because you know, think about all these memories you have. That's a great memory, um, but you have bad memories and good memories. And and you know, the, I am convinced that this generation that is coming up is the greatest generation this country has ever produced. I mean, as soon as they come out of the womb, you know, they're on the internet. You know, they, they've got, the, uh, they learn how the cell phones, they do the internet, they've got their own computers. You know, I didn't get involved in the internet until I was 40 years old. So, you know, it's a whole different generation. They've got this great basis of learning and they're going to be so much smarter than we ever were. Um, and, but what we need to do as, as family is we've got to balance that. And we have got to get them involved in other things besides the internet. And that's where grandparents have to come involved. You know, they have to get back involved with, with, their, with their kids. They've, they've got to create those memories. I'm sure you can think of things that your grandparents did for you. You have great memories of some of that stuff. You know, Maybe some not so bad ones, but you got great memories. And we all create that. And so that's why we've got to get grandparents more involved back into their kids' lives, because we've got to balance out all the electronic things they're learning to to bring them to be normal kids
1: so why is it that you say that it seems like grandparents just don't care
2: now interestingly enough uh, there's a 30 percent of grandparents are considered remote okay remote you know, it's often quoted by uh, the different things around the world. But these are, that's when you think about it, that's one out of three grandparents. These are grandparents that don't get involved with their kids. They may see them or call them on their birthday. They may come see them or call them on Thanksgiving, but that's it. You know, they they figured, hey, I raised my kids, I raised them the best way they can. They're going to be great parents. I don't need to get involved. I don't know more about it's the me generation. <laughs> I want to do that. So, those, those are the ones we got to talk to, to get involved with them. I mean, it's, there's all kinds of reasons, you know, why, why, why grandparents become remote. I mean um you know they they do it sometime with with the kids you know they go and try to give the kids unsolicited advice and the kids don't like that advice so that kind of makes them remote you know they they may stop in the the family the kids house unannounced you know the kids don't like that that makes them so there's all kinds of reasons that the, the the grandparents become remote you know, they undermine the parents' authority, you know, by challenging what a parent is teaching their kids. No, our, our kids don't want that to happen. You know, they they tend to play favorites uh, with with siblings and manipulate them. You know, that that's why they become remote. You know, they 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 think they can buy the kids by gifts and vacations and, and money and things like that. You know, they have don't have an empathy for the kids, you know, they don't understand what their kids are going through. So and you know, and a lot of grandparents that say you child, grandchild, you got to respect me or else. So these are all reasons that these grandparents become remote Um, on top of one, just not wanting to care. So, but again, when you think about it, you know, again, going back to, we just got through COVID. I mean, you know, 16% of the population is over 65, but 75% of the deaths were kids, people over 75, 65. So when you think about it, we're dropping right and left. You know, the average uh, lifespan of American dropped two years over the last couple of years because of COVID added to everything else that we're dying. So we have to take advantage of being here today because we may be gone tomorrow. Yeah. So, you know, when, when you think about it, that's why grandparents have got to get involved. We've got to help influence and, and bring up this greatest generation so they're well-rounded and we can't become the greatest generation we've ever produced
1: so maybe there's a grandparent listening to this right now and maybe they have identified with one of the reasons that you mentioned what would you say to them to help them in a first step towards being more involved
2: keep in mind that in today's world it takes a village to raise a kid Uh, and this is especially true in single family uh, uh, households or uh, there's all kinds of reasons so to raise a child it takes the mom and the dad it takes the uncles and it takes the cousins obviously it takes the teachers and the schools uh, but it also takes the grandparents you know what happens when you're a grandparent you know you do get smarter as you get older and the reason you get smarter because you make more mistakes and you learn from them so uh, decade after decade you're making more mistakes but you're getting smarter and you've got to be able to share that wisdom with the younger generations of what you have learned to, to save them some grief possibly um so so keep in mind that any of these grandparents that say i don't get involved you're part of the village uh, these kids need you you know they're learning so much electronically they need to learn everything else you know that's involved with uh, with with life and get involved
1: and what would you say i i hear parents say quite often my child is and i'll put this in my own words addicted to their technology they're addicted to the device the games the i, I can't get them interested in anything else and and they have no motivation when it comes to other things um what what, what would you, what do you say what are your thoughts on that
2: don't ever lose sight that you as a parent are the role model so if your child sees you on your phone all the time that's how they're going to act you are the one that creates you know the image of what life is about so you've got to disconnect so that you can teach your kids to disconnect now the best way to do that uh, and this is for parents and, and for grandparents is you got to get your kids involved in reading books and reading to them books i mean there's all kinds of benefits to, to reading a book you know, i'm going to look at it from a grandparents' standpoint so i've got my grandchild two three four years old yeah, you know, we let them pick out the book because it's important for them to be important. You know, everybody's got 20 books or so around their house. You know, there's 100 great books, you know, I want them to buy my book. But you know, there's other books out there to read too. And, uh, and so you, know, you get the child, he comes sits on your lap, they pull the book together. You know, the first thing that happens is it creates a bonding experience. You know, it's a nice way just to spend 20 minutes together. You're reading a book, they're sitting on your lap, you get a chance to really to, to, to just be together. Another reason why we need to be reading books to our children at a very early age is it supports listening skills. Now, you and I both know as adults that listening skills are the best skills we have. you know, obviously in your school environment, you've got to listen before you can react. You know, if you're in sales, you got to listen before you can sell. There's, I mean, listening is just such an important skill. And if you can develop that, early on by reading books and having them you know uh, to to the, the, the requires them to listen then that's a great way to to to, to break the, uh, the the mold another reason we should be reading books to kids is it helps with the cognitive and language development. There's plenty of words in these books these kids don't understand. So you have a chance to explain them. There's plenty of words I don't understand, I gotta look up. But uh, you know, the, there's there's that gives you that opportunity as you're sitting there for those 20 minutes to, to explore all the cognitive and language development. And, and another reason is, is attention span. You know, two, three, four, they bounce off the wall all day. You know, get them in your lap for 20 minutes, give them a chance to concentrate self-discipline and these are skills that they can use as they grow and get into adulthood
1: absolutely and the skills we see kids need and are lacking more and more of actually so we can help that by doing that one simple step of just reading to your child and there's so much happening in those moments together well
2: well, the other sad thing that's been caused by this pandemic is the kids are reading less. You know, the United Nations Educational Science Cultural Organization, UNESCO, you know, they say 584 million children worldwide are experiencing reading difficulties now. Now that compares to 460 million before the pandemic. Now that's a rise of 20% more kids Today, than two years ago are having reading difficulties. That wipes out two decades of educational gains. You know, the Stanford Graduate School of Education released a study reporting that second and third graders' reading fluency is now 30% behind what would be expected in a typical year. And so you know, they need the reading fluency now so that they can read on their own as they get later, as they later. That's another reason we all have to get involved. This pandemic has caused a loss of reading, and we just got to force the issue.
1: Right, because our future is at stake because now we have to make up the years that they've lost, which puts everything behind where we actually needed to be doing more anyway to get us ahead on the forefront, creative, you know, developing new inventions, et cetera. So how many kids do you have?
2: I've got four kids and six grandkids.
1: And, and you live in Arizona. So where do they live?
2: Well, I, they live in, uh, I've got two of them living here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I've got two in Austin, Texas, and two in Orlando, Florida. Now, the key is, how do you keep in touch with that? You know, you know, when, when, I, I, you know I, when I grew up, uh, my uncle lived up the street. My grandmother lived two blocks away. And so that was our village. It was there. But now the village is scattered unfortunately And so how do you keep involved and how do you keep them in, 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 in reacting with you well i'll tell you what we did and i'm sure your listeners are going to come up with other stories so you know during the pandemic i had them all here at our house for about six weeks so they all had that's how this book was based on is what they were acting interacting with each other um so they got very familiar with our house but one thing that that i i really learned is that the language of little kids two three four and five and even i saw with my seven-year-old yesterday that uh, is dinosaurs they love dinosaurs they, they that's their language if they go in to meet somebody new that's one of the first subjects they talk about is dinosaurs now they can name all these long named dinosaurs when they're two and three years old you know all i know are they're small medium, and large and but they can tell me who eats meat they can tell me so they, this is their language they love dinosaurs So when they all left, we figured, how are we gonna keep in touch with our kids in Texas and and Florida? And so we figured, well, we're gonna take our six dinosaurs we have here in the house and we're gonna put them someplace different every night. So what we did was like, for instance, the dinosaurs were in the refrigerator eating blueberries one night. Another night the dinosaurs were by the sink with grandma washing dishes and they had snow you know soap on their noses another night they were playing the piano another night they were walking up the steps so we had 50 different adventures inside and outside of our house for the dinosaurs so what happened is we became part of the routine of, of all these kids you know they would take their bath the parents would read them a book and then they say what are the dinosaurs doing tonight yeah, you know, so they would get on my uh, call my wife's uh, iPhone and we would get on FaceTime and they say, "Where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? What are the dinosaurs doing tonight?" So that gave us a chance to stay in touch and be with these kids. And I'm sure your listeners can come up with other stories too. But it's important because little kids aren't going to call you, you know, you know, out of sight, out of mind. So you've got to make an effort to be part of their lives.
1: Yeah, and find what interests them and how can you use that because it could be different than what we think would be interesting to them. I love that story. That's the best idea. That is, uh, that is so cute. You could turn that into a book one day.
2: <laughs> Find the dinosaur.
1: <laughs> That's such a fun activity. All right, Graham. So I, I love, I love everything that you just shared. And I think it's, it, it will really help um, even one listener listening out there um, today. And what what's one thing you can leave us with today?
2: You know, at what age? do we begin to take responsibility for our actions? Is it, is it three years old? Is it 13 years old? Is it 23 years old? You know, I've got plenty of contemporaries at 63 that still don't take responsibility for their actions. So how can we get our kids to start taking responsibility for their actions? You know, that's, that's very important.
1: Yeah. And I mean, just being a principal where I am and, and, and you know, kids are, the general population of the kids do well. And the whole system works for them, you know. So it's not like I get to have these individual conversations with each kid, you know. But when I do, and and then usually it's with the ones that have issues. It's like there's so much there's so much in there, and if we just like stop and listen to them, that that's what you did. You just listened to that they love the dinosaurs, and you connected it to something. You just listened, and you came out with this book. You just listened. So. Um, I love, where can someone find and follow you to uh, find your books?
2: Oh, you can find my, uh, my books on uh, Amazon or Barnes and Noble, about a hundred other sites. Or come to my site, grampsjeffery.com. Or if any of your listeners want to continue the conversations, please email me. It's at gmail.com.
0: Well, thank you so much, Gramps. I appreciate your time today.
2: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Hey there, it's Karn. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course, Three Steps to Happy Healthy Kids at www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy, healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry. Be happy.